Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for Season 4, Episode 3 of Succession on HBO Max, plus Season 2, Episode 3 of Yellow Jackets on the Beleaguered Showtime Network. Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Media Podcast, where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, market moves. The market is moving. The market is after moving su- all it's over the moving. place. It's moving after Succession Season 4, Episode 3, which we will be talking about. Airlock. It's Yellow Jacket Season 2, Episode 3. Things also going very badly there. Yeah, it's, it's very, bad very all badly. over. No, and only getting good. worse. Only getting worse. And in the nerd out, Victor pitches us on the 2005 film Sky High. Coming up, market moves. Here comes the bride. Logan Roy has died. His heart took a shit in the bathroom in the sky. Who will succeed to Logan's throne? The board will have to choose. Welcome to Market Moves. Market Moves, moves, folks. Your number one source for stocks, bonds, crypto, currency, and all forms of financial information. We can't wait to update you on the latest goings-on with the Roy Star Gojo deal. And here's the latest. It's Connor and Willa's wedding day. Roman Roy feels a call from his father, Logan. Roman asks, Logan, Dad, are you coming to your son Connor's wedding? And it's a definite maybe. It's a hard maybe. <laughs> because Logan has to go to Sweden, where uh, where uh, Lucas Matson awaits. Lucas uh, getting cold feet might pull out of the Gojo deal. And so Logan has to go there along with Carrie and Carl and Tom and Frank to pour some honey in Lucas's ear. Keep that Gojo deal alive, but he wants Roman to do one important thing for him to prove his loyalty. You got to fire Jerry, who, uh, you know, listen, we know, I know, son, that you've had a a close relationship with Jerry. That's why I should come from you. And you should do it as soon as possible. This is a personal attack on Roman by Logan. Absolutely. Like, this is only done to fuck with him. Like, absolutely no question. As Logan uh, boards the fateful plane... We also learned that he <laughs> intends to fire Sid. He wants Sid out. He uh, he tells that to Tom. This clears the way for Tom's ascendancy to the top of ATN. Meanwhile, on the wedding barge, the kids, Greg, Ken, Roman, Shiv, plus Jerry, and of course the bride and groom are all in attendance. The kids are talking amongst themselves about the Gojo deal. Roman gets ready to, uh, to you know, fire Jerry, which he does. Uh, even though he kind of doesn't want to. Uh, He's sad. Jerry is pissed. That brings us to our first question of the day. Buy or sell? Jerry and Sid. Who stays? Who goes? Do they both stay? Do they both go? Does one stay and one go? What's going to happen with Jerry and Sid? Bye, 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 Jerry. Jerry is in line to succeed. Jerry is on top. This is going to happen, I believe, that Logan was fucking with Roman, but he did want Jerry out. But by the end of this episode, what Logan wants is irrelevant. irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely fucking irrelevant. So I say, Sid, I think Tom is a brutal person and cutthroat and will do what he will. So he will spread that news about Sid as much as he can. Roman is the only one. And Kerry, but also irrelevant. Sorry, my dear, but it's true. Roman is really the only one that knows about the Jerry situation. So I believe... Jerry is staying, and I believe Jerry could become the most powerful person in the company. Carolina also knew, but kind of, Carolina will just, where, whichever way the wind blows, exactly. Carolina will go that way. So Yeah, she's not like Tom. She's not going to try and use that information to usurp anyone. Tom will use the information about Sid to help his own ascendancy. Whereas if Jerry's in power, 
No one's going to argue. Hey, listen, you mentioned Jerry and Power, and it was uh, suggested in previous episodes of Succession Mm -hmm. that um, should Logan step aside or whatever, the interim CEO would likely be uh, Jerry until such time as the board could select someone more permanent. So it really does feel as if Jerry's as general counsel is kind of going to mm-hmm. be running stuff until the board decides on which of the kids is uh, more amenable to. And I agree with you. It feels like Sid, um, there are just more knives out for Sid, mm-hmm. I think. And Sid, I don't know that she has necessarily a protector in this situation. A lot of people, Carrie, number one amongst them, uh, find themselves kind of without a chair in this game of musical chairs now that Logan is gone. But I agree with you. Bye, Jerry, sell Sid. Uh, Next, Connor is very anxious about the wedding cake. And this has to do with the fact that um, Victoria Sponge Cake was the cake that uh, Logan told him to eat after uh, he sent Connor's mother to a mental health facility, a.k.a. in Roman's words, the funny farm. I need to know, why was this not on the wedding plans? Why did he not mention no Victoria sponge cake? No Victoria sponge. I mean, this is traumatic. His mum was sectioned so that Logan could go on his merry way, Henry VIII style, (laughs) and... He gave his son Victoria sponge cake. Here he is on the happiest day of his life marrying poor Willa. And there's a Victoria sponge cake. This is dark. terrible. I actually am on Connor's side. Oh, yeah. Though I somebody should have so told dark. the wedding planner. But they should have told the wedding. This is unbelievably, just an unbelievably dark detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shiv uh, gets a couple of calls from Tom, Oof. which we think nothing of. Two calls. She sends them both to voicemail. That's unfortunate because had she uh, picked up, the, she would have uh, understood that Logan was uh, on his journey to the big shitter in the sky, attended to the uh, rhythmic drumming of chest compressions done by the flight attendant. Uh, and as it turns out, Roman takes the call from Tom. Tom... I think generously puts his cell phone near Logan's cold, dead ear and lets mm-hmm. Roman and Ken say goodbye to their dad. Shiv, who had uh, gone off to, to deal with Connor, eventually gets her turn as well. Uh, notable fact about the kind of type of person that Logan Roy was that each of his children in turn, when they get their their moment uh, next to their, their dad's uh, uh, quickly... Uh, Icying ear is uh, a- after saying, you know, we love you. They all say some version of, I can't forgive you for all the mm-hmm. things you've done. You this were a terrible person. On his deathbed, they're all like, I can't forgive you. Um, so that brings us to our next prompt Who are you betting on? Who is going to be the next CEO of Waystar Royco? Who do you got? Is it going to be Ken? Is it going to be Roman? Is it going to be Shiv? Is it going to be Tom? Is it going to be Greg? Is it going to be Hugo? Is it going to be Carolina? Is it going to be Frank? You know what? Is it going to be Carl? Is it going to be Jared? You have yet to mention the one person that I actually think the board is going to back. Tell me. I think they're going to back Connor because they can just tell him to do whatever they want. That would be fucking amazing. (laughs) How funny would that be? Connor hates Logan, he knows that he is unwanted, but if you put Kendall, Shiv, or Roman in that board seat, they are going to be trying to do hostile takeovers. They have the attention span of five-year-olds, by the way. (laughs) They do not know how to make a deal. Even in this episode, we see Shiv say one thing to the press, then immediately go back on it because she needs to state her claim on what's going on. I think there's a version. I think Jerry will likely get power soon. Because they need an interim CEO. And the kids actually have backed Jerry in the past. Like, I don't think there would be an issue there. But I think there's a a terrible version of this. I thought that without these events, which I did not see coming, I must say, congratulations to Brian Cox for escaping this set and escaping Jeremy Strong. I'm proud of you, Brian. I'm happy for you. I'm happy Logan is dead because he's a terrible person. I thought there was a version where we would see Logan use... ATN to essentially get Connor into a very strong political position. 
and I thought that would be a very good bleak kind of reality and uh, an analogous to the, you know, Fox News and the way the Murdochs use Fox News. Without that in play, I actually think we could see Connor get the board backing to be the CEO because they see him as a puppet. Now, let they me see him as this. someone with no vested interest. Would he have to forego his presidential campaign? His, his dreams <laughs> of the highest office in the republic. Wouldn't, would he not have to suspend his campaign until further notice should he decide to take up the top spot at uh, Waystar Royco? I will say that post this wedding, which he was doing to keep his 1%, you know, there, the, the one vaguely human thing that happens this episode is the choice to go on with the wedding. Right. And only like five people are there. And Logan's death absolutely outshines and once again takes all the emphasis off Connor and Connor's life and Connor's feelings. And I wonder if that 1% is not going to even be there after this. Because being a Roy means nothing without Logan. And also the attention that he was hoping to grab with this ridiculous, you know, Statue of Liberty barge wedding is nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Because Logan takes the stage. So he would have to morally and ethically and legally drop out. But I wonder if he would already be in that position and the board is offered to him as a way of saying, well, you're not going to be president. But can you imagine if Shiv and Roman and, <laughs> and Ken would have to be like begging to him? <laughs> well, it is quite clear that um, with this you know, with uh, with Logan's uh, quickly putrefying corpse out of the way, uh, what we're going to see towards, you know, the, in this the rest of this final season is going to be the internecine fight mm -hmm. for the top spot at Royco. We're going to see the kids torn apart. We're going to see Sandy and it's Stewie the get it's involved. It's what the first season promised. Yeah, this is it. But this is now the true it, succession it's fight. On it. He actually dies. It's so smart. Also, can I just ask you before we move sure. on? Sure. It's an important question. Was Logan's death in the toilet? Was this like a mile high situation? I'm glad that you asked this. I do have this on my <laughs> checklist. I think that this is one implied. I think that there's it's implied a little bit. The way Carrie comes into, you know, uh, into the room where Frank and Carl and Carolina are, are starting to kind of flesh out what the response is going to be, right? She comes in with just this, like, like, oh, my God, you guys, that was fucking crazy. What? You know, like, that seems... she's got, like, a grin. Yeah, like, a that seems grin. more... Listen, who knows? We all respond to stress and death in different ways, but it seemed as if she was taking it in a way that she was very, very shaken, and perhaps there. And I will say that it would not surprise me at all if... As part of this kind of knives out uh, fight that is coming, that that narrative isn't put out there by Shiv or one of the kids that, oh, how'd he go? He went, uh, he was with uh, Carrie in the, in the bathroom. That's how he went. Or mm -hmm. one of one of uh, his enemies. I, I'm sure that that will, I think that that will be said. I will say. Or even one of the board just to cut Carrie out because they're not interested. Well, Carrie, She's need, done. You don't need to cut her out. She's got nothing. No, she she's is, irrelevant. She is a dead guy's former assistant. That's it. <laughs> so, uh, I will say my pick for uh, CEO. I'm going to go with the um, the uh, the Jerry Roman duo. This is Roman had pitched Ooh, this to Jerry. I love uh, that the, uh, uh, in past seasons to run it as Batman and Robin. Jerry is the front person. Roman <laughs> is the kind of Tarzan swinging through the trees, and I think that we will end up back. At that. I think that's my that's my favorite pick. If it was just about a choice. Back to our story, word is starting to trickle out now that the big man has died, and it starts with Connor. Connor gets the news. He takes he takes it extremely stoically. I mean, he takes it like he They eats didn't even the punch. go and get Connor yeah. to talk to him. <laughs> and it's he just so fucked up. He just eats the punch, although he eventually gets uh, more emotional. Uh, and now people are starting to think about the effect of this news on the market. On the plane, Carolina, Frank, and Carl are putting together their action plan. People need to be notified. Matson, the board, et cetera. Waystar needs a message to kind of uh, soothe the market, considering that uh, Logan was, you know, seen as 
you know, basically the driving force of Waystar Roycar. So what is the market's response going to be now that he's gone? Uh, they make it very clear to a f- very frazzled Carrie that uh, her skills, uh, i.e. fucking Logan Roy, uh, <laughs> p- uh, uh, potentially in the bathroom in his final moments, uh, are no longer needed. We don't need those kind of nope. skills anymore uh, on the boat. Tom tells Greg the news and then tells him, hey, stick with Sid, uh, delete certain files on my computer. I'd love to know what Tom, that's about. I got to know what I that's know about. Every time. Why does also like, why does he trust Greg, who I swear to God almost immediately leaks this like very important news? And that's kind of why he told him. He says, Greg, people need to know I was there yeah, with yeah. Logan. And then, uh, yeah, unbelievable. And then he makes sure to tell uh, Greg that. Um, get ready to start spreading the news that Logan wanted Sid out in his final moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids, meanwhile, on the boat are debating the wisdom of even uh, offering a statement right now. And uh, they wonder whether they should buy time by maybe having the plane with Logan's uh, dead body on it circle for a little while. <laughs> you know, not, not a long time, but just like an hour or a couple hours or something yeah. like that. Um, Willa admits that the wedding uh, is in large part inspired by money, by Con- uh, by Connor's money. Uh, money is a factor, she says, but uh, she she frames it as security, which is, I think, is a nice way to say it. It was a very sweet scene, actually. It was a very between sweet those scene. two. It was like the most honest thing that happened between them, probably throughout the whole series. Yeah, Khan admits that he is, you know, feeling quite creaky and old considering that he is 30 years Willis Sr. and his dad just died. Carolina then tells the kids that, hey, the news is starting to leak now, so we have to, we really are under the gun now. we got to get our response together. Jerry makes some suggestions. <laughs> uh, again, acting like she was never fired, which makes a lot of sense. And now yeah. the maneuvering is just starting to begin. Uh, the kids, the plain folks, Jerry, everyone is kind of jostling to be included in whatever statement is eventually issued. The press is there to meet the uh, the death bird at the airport. We see Colin, Logan's uh, body man, who uh, Logan told uh, two episodes ago that he was his best friend. Uh, Colin <laughs> looks absolutely shattered. He's on the same whatever boat that Carrie is on. Colin is on that boat with her because – he has nothing now. Uh, soon after, yeah. Shiv makes the statement for the family. She praises Logan uh, and tells the world that the kids intend to be a presence at Waystar in the years to come. Our final question of the day, the Gojo deal. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Does it go through? Does Lucas Matson push through the Gojo deal? And if he doesn't, what happens with the uh, with the uh, attendant Pierce deal that is, of course, mm. contingent on the kids getting the money from the Gojo sale? I wonder if Matson is going to want the Gojo deal, but for less money. Mm. I wonder if that might be his card here because everything's unstable. As we see, as you kind of get this great moment at the end of the episode where Roman shows on his phone how the stocks have dropped because everyone knows Logan's dead. And he says, that's dad. And then they kind of all smile. And I think that's the moment when they realize they're free instead of being upset and kind of shocked by the news. But I think with the the absolutely tanking stocks and the fact that Mattson was already aware that they were trying to force more money out of him, I wonder if he comes back with a counter deal that is lower that then goes on to fuck up the Pierce deal. I I wonder that too, because as mentioned in the episode, one of Mattson's objections, in addition to the fact that the price was going up, was that uh, he was paying for less because uh, uh, Logan was going to hold on to ATN. They were going to mm-hmm. carve out ATN. So the price was going up, but he was getting less stuff. So I wonder, I, I think you're exactly right. I think he's going to say, well, price has got to come down, either that or give me ATN back. And, yeah. uh, and, and I also wonder if he... I, listen, I don't know how it works legally, even though this is Market Moves, your number one uh, your number one source for <laughs> uh, the most informed opinion on all matters due to, you know, that come from the economy. I do wonder if he might – would he put himself up for it? Would he put himself up for CEO? Oh, 
maybe as part of the deal, we can do it for the same amount of money, but I will be CEO. And also ATN. I I would be very interested to see it. I love Matson and Skarsgård's performance is so good and him and Kendall are so chaotic together. I would love to see this kind of smash all together. But I just can't wait to see the chaos to come because those stock prices are going to be WBD bad (laughs) for the the foreseeable future. Um, Final question. Who is your winner and loser? Your winner and loser in the wake of the death of the big man himself, Logan Roy. Uh, But up, 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 uh, he's loving death. Uh, (laughs) Big winner, big loser going forward. Who's going to thrive and who is going to who's going to really be missing that uh, that sweet Logan energy? Big loser. It's Logan Roy. First and foremost, he's dead. He's dead. He's he's, he's (laughs) lost his life. He's lost everything. Um, But in the wake of that, I actually sad to say this because I am a Roman fan. I think Roman is the big loser coming Mm. out of this. This destabilizes him. I hope that he can grab on to Jerry and make that apology. She's really pushing him away right now, but I would love to see them team up. But Roman is obsessed with the idea that his dad heard his last horrible voicemail where he said this terrible thing. Roman is in this position where he fired Jerry, but the rest of the kids don't know and he can never tell them because otherwise it shows that he betrayed them. He felt like he just had this moment of connection with his dad and then his dad died. So I think coming out of this, he is from the core trio. He is struggling. Kerry obviously lost. Colin lost. Logan lost, but I think Rome is our main main loser. Big winner? Uh, probably just Kendall, because I think he's actually very happy about this. Like, that's my funniest... Business-wise, who knows? I think Kendall is a fool. But Jeremy Strong was delivering yeah. some great Kendall being constantly on the edge of just trauma and also ecstasy. Like, he can't quite believe he outlived his dad. And I think we could see this power him forward to the presidency As this season comes to, it. <laughs> to the president everyone's becoming the president um my uh winner and loser my winner i'm going to say frank frank is Ooh. has always been the only alongside jerry i guess you would say the only like humane person in mm-hmm. this terrible 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 company filled with terrible people he handles ken you know when ken starts going into you know fueled by grief ken starts doing his ken i want Boston. get me get me the greatest heart doctors in the world mm-hmm. i need them on i need them on the line in 1 minute I want to know who, uh, you know, who the medical service this airline uses. I want that plane turned around. I want all this and that. And I want to talk to the pilot. And then Frank is like, Frank cools him down and says, like, son, the pilot's flying the plane. And he just (laughs) handles it well. And I hope that in the wake of this, Frank will find a measure of freedom and liberty Mm. from the intensely toxic atmosphere that he has stewed in for 40 years yeah. big loser you know I, I i honestly i think it's carrie she has no allies her one if she has something as armor it is gonna be that she knows bad stuff that happened mm-hmm. she was right there yeah, she with, might she might be in a tom position yeah she knows might, where the bodies are buried she might have a, a map to a, a significant number of of mass graves, and if she mm-hmm. does have that, then maybe she'll have a soft landing, uh, you know, landing on a pile of money. But otherwise, mm-hmm. I would imagine the kids are going to be out to get her. I would imagine she, you know, certainly the way that Carolina, uh, Frank, and Carl treated her was cold shoulder at best. And I don't think she's going to have anybody uh, really there looking out for her interests. So I think it's going to be very, very tough for her going forward. Also, uh, also Greg. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You know, unless Tom can hang on, Greg better hope that Tom can hang on. Because if he he can't, then I think Cousin Greg is in a lot of trouble. I I think there's a version of this because we know Jesse Armstrong, we know Peep Show, we know the kind of dark satire and comedy that he he brings to this, you know, fantastic show with Succession. I do imagine that there's a world where Cousin Greg could end up being the CEO. I don't know how they get there, but it would be amazing. (laughs) I don't know how either, but you know, it's that it would be the nightmare, like corporate nepotism. Oh my God. But yeah, good luck to Cousin Greg because we love that 
tall fool. That has been your market moves for market today. Market moves, market moves. Up next, Yellow Jackets. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Stepping out of the airlock and into Yellow Jackets season two, episode three. Yes. And things are going bad, going terrible. In the delightfully named Digestif, directed <laughs> by Jeffrey W. Bird and written by Sarah L. Thompson and Amini Rosa, Jackie's bleeding skeleton is Ugh. gesturing us back into the wilderness. God. Where. A poor assistant coach, Ben, is basically disassociating into his own past to escape the truth of what he saw at the end of last episode. Spoiler alert, it was kids eating Jackie's body. Yeah. All of them feasting. Delicious. As he dreams of non-cannibalistic meals that his loving boyfriend used to cook him, the now delightfully full of human meat team are dealing with the realities of the feast. And some of them are doing better than others. Nat. She's dealing with it quite well. Yeah. She just Taking like, we stride. did it. We needed it to happened. survive. She She's rightfully kind of like grossed out, but she's pragmatic about the survival nature. Ty, on the other hand, comes out of the cabin absolutely freaking out. Somebody ate Jackie. Uh, something ate Jackie. What happened to Jackie? And Van strolls out and Van's like, we ate her. Like, what are you talking about? And Ty's like, no, it was nighttime, Ty. I was sleeping. I, I would never do it. Van assures her that she was fully awake. You were talking to me. And Liv Hewson says, what I'm sure is like immediately an immortal line. Yeah. She says, Ty, you ate her face. <laughs> I got to say, <laughs> I am quickly growing tired of Ty not getting help. Ty, like, mm -hmm. I... I don't know how you got this far in life, but you need to resign from your state Senate job. I'm telling you. And you need to seek help immediately because this is serious. And it has been going on for like 25 yeah. years at least. At least. At least. And it will only become more serious as we talk about this episode. And and she is wealthy enough that she could get private help. I'm begging It does you. not have to be a press please. free for all. Just please... This Freddy Krueger caffeine pill nonsense it's is going to end good. very badly for you. Very, very badly. But it's really bad. Coach assistant Ben also not doing well in the 90s wilderness. He's like trying his hardest to become the next meal, sassing up Nat as she kind of comes up with a quite a good plan to just pack up Jackie's remains and put them on the plane. And he's like, oh, at least if you put her body on the plane, you can pretend she died with the rest of them. Yeah, I, why are you doing is this? Why are, are you, you antagonizing trying to become them? brunch? It's it just terrible plans all around. In the present, Nat is investigating Lottie's cult, and Thaisa, who exceedingly needs help, yes. is uh, holding vigil over her critically injured wife, who, if right. you've forgotten, is critically injured because Ty crashed her car on purpose with her wife in it. Not only that, Nighttime tie, daytime tie. Who knows? One of the ties has drawn the creepy cult symbol on her comatose wife's hand. So all going badly for Ty. Very, very badly. Miss, Misty is on a romantic journey of her own, uh, heading to meet 
her Reddit crime board frenemy, <laughs> Walter, played delightfully by Elijah Wood, who's just so wonderful. He's set up a little meet cute where they're going to pretend to be FBI agents. Incredibly illegal, but very much yes, in the very, Misty wheelhouse. Very, very, illegal. But Misty this is, this Misty, is like Misty's dream. Yeah, Misty's old hat at this illegal stuff. She's he, like, she's better at it than Walter. She knows what's going oh, she on. Was, he's, she he's had a, the game plan. She immediately knew, yes. here's how we're going to do it. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to need to rough this guy up a little bit. <laughs> she knew it. Yeah. Unfortunately, the guy they need to rough up is actually like Misty's old school friend, Randy, who in season one, Jeff told about his little blackmail scam. So the pair have to basically play murder Serrano de Bergiac with Misty hiding <laughs> in the boat and whispering sweet questions and violent threats into Walter's earpiece for him to tell Randy. I can't even believe that it took this long to get to her because she is such, she's just a, a void of chaos and truly is at the center of everything that is insane in this show. I, I gotta say, Misty, <laughs> like everybody except Misty is kind of on a villain arc right now. Like, I'm telling you. Shauna, villain arc. Thaisa, she's about, we're about to get to her. Villain arc. Villain arc. Yeah, let's talk about that villain arc. Because cause, cause you're right, Misty, she's still standing out as the hero. So Shauna mollywops a carjacker <laughs> when Jeff tries to take her on a romantic trip because he feels like they're not spontaneous enough and that's why she had an affair with Adam. And she goes full Rambo, punching a carjacker in the hand, stealing his gun. Now we'll say, Jeff fucks this up because it was he a pretty sick move by Shauna it was as, like as John psycho Wick, as she was. John Wick it was, shit. <laughs> Yeah, Melanie Linsky Wick. And and it was, I have to say, very good. Jeff, unfortunately, you know, freaks out. The car gets stolen and that will come back to bite. Jeff especially. Lottie at the cult is showing that her beehive, saying increasingly creepy things about them, alluding to how the girls ate Jackie and how that's similar to wasps and bees killing each other. It isn't brutal. It's natural. Otherwise, they starve. We all do. And that's an important illusion, I feel like, that yeah. we will get back to uh, as the episode comes to the end. In the woods, Nat, teen Nat, who is truly the only logical person left, she's packing up Jackie's body. She refuses to drink Lottie's blood tea. I think that's the right move. As protection. I would say that, but almost immediately she almost gets killed by a giant white moose. So maybe she should have drunk the blood tea. Now, let me stop you here. <laughs> is this moose... Is moose, it real? Is it real? Is it yeah, real? Here is our first, here's our first opportunity to be like, what the fuck is going on out here? What is mm -hmm. happening? Is the, it Was the moose real? Is this some sort of multi-dimensional thing where you know the mm -hmm. the, the, the boundaries between realities are are, are thinner here is it a here. computer generated image is Lost it a computer generated thing stranger is it, things is it know? like a haunted forest type mm. of thing what is happening because the moose comes at her knocks the plane you know it's it's huge and then it disappears yes did it run away is it real it's very unclear and nobody has the wherewithal to be thinking about that because they're all just absolutely traumatized by what they did and Lottie decides the best way for them to keep dealing with things and to cheer Shauna up who's feeling slightly guilty about eating her BFF is that they're gonna plan like the world's grimmest baby shower oh god <laughs> and everyone everyone has to uh make gifts for the baby. Also, important to note here, I think, Lottie seems to think slash know that the baby is a boy. She keeps calling it a him. So is this one of Lottie's visions? Is something there? I don't know. We'll likely find out about that as it goes on. It's very strange, but not as strange as Misty's unexpectedly is... moving steel magnolias speech. <laughs> this is Samantha Henry really going in. <laughs> You just couldn't this even believe it. We the on the rewatch when when she announces it and there's like two, and she's like uh, and now a speech from Steel Magnolia's and Samantha Ray her 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 Sally Field voice she's yeah. like going ham oh, and God. in 
in the modern day, Walter is, you know, following Misty's orders. He's slapping Randy. He's pulling out a little bone cutter. <laughs> He's threatening him. But, you know, Randy is like a stone-cold idiot. Yeah, so he absolutely. doesn't have any good information, except there were a strange group of people wearing purple at the motel. We know yes. that Lottie's cult loves to wear heliotrope, I believe she calls it. So, seems like Misty might be onto something. As the girls continue to prepare for the nightmare baby shower, Mary is going full Lady Macbeth. I she's know. hearing a dripping, which I'm sure is going to come into play. Nobody else can hear it, but she's always hearing a dripping. Oh, can nobody oh. else hear that? You can't perceive that. I wonder what that could be. Out, out. Min? Drip, drip. Out, yeah. Drip, drip. Please. It, it, you know, very uh, Edgar Allan Poe yeah. of her. And Misty, look, I'm going to say, this is a suggestion that I do think adds fuel to the Is Misty the Antler Queen fire, but is also, once again, not necessarily incorrect on a survival level. She reveals to us and to Crystal that she had pitched turning Jackie's bones into a broth for the people, for the kids <laughs> to drink stupid. and eat oh, at God. the baby shower. As Crystal says, a party is no fun without snacks. So yeah. Misty's really found a, 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 a twin flame there. But the plan was rejected. And while Misty's kind of chill vibe about it is a red flag for her sociopathic behavior, I will say she's probably right. Ari survival yeah, tactics. She's probably she you is. Know, she is it's probably gross, right. But they could have probably done with it. Coach Ben is delusional, having freakouts. He's well, no, you know what? He did see a little kid crawling along the floor with a rabid mouth planning to eat him. Maybe that was actually real. <laughs> I mean, well, this we is well, real in the sense, because it had me wondering, obviously, like, people are not, you know, Coach Ben did not partake of the mm -hmm. meal that was had the other night. So this could be just hunger hallucinations. Mm -hmm. But also, That's true. you know, there's a lot of weird things going on in this woods. I wonder if there was something else going on, whether it's magic or whatever you know, weird thing is happening out here that we have yet to figure out that is obviously tied to that symbol that uh, we keep seeing, but we don't know. Like, So I, I I was unclear whether he was being tortured by some kind of vision mm -hmm. that was caused by something or if he's just like hungry and scared and cold and he just like uh, is afraid that they, with cause, that they might eat him. Yeah. That he might be eaten. I, I really... I like that reading because also I do think we're getting into deep, unreliable narrator territory yeah. at this point. We don't know what we're seeing or what we're being shown that is actually true or is just how the girls or Ben or whoever Good is point. perceiving what's going on in the forest. Ben is just, he's hiding in the back room. He's laid up. He doesn't want to talk to Travis when Travis checks in on him. And he's practically just disassociating full time to survive. He's thinking about his lovely boyfriend and how his boyfriend broke up with him just before... Ben left for nationals because he wasn't comfortable coming out of the closet. And it's this really interesting, grounded kind of emotional story arc that Ben is going on in his head while the girls get ready to celebrate their baby <laughs> this wilderness really sacrifice, whatever, baby, some weird the baby shit. thing that's coming. There is a good juxtaposition here of Ben's, like, life before the wilderness, and you can understand why he's ruminating yeah. on it compared to his life in the wilderness. Now, we get a big reveal here this week, which is Van finally learns more about the mystery of Ty's sleepwalking when she asks nighttime Ty if she can join her on her little sonambulist jaunt as long as she unbinds her from the ropes. Nighttime Ty says yes, and she explains to Van the man with no eyes has been telling her where to go. If you don't remember him, he's the Vincent from Pulp Fiction looking yes. suit wearing guy, but with no eyes, who Ty saw in the mirror when her grandmother died. And it seems to be some kind of familial, hereditary ghost yes. or delusion. And he is now clearly connected to whatever's going on in the forest. She also says that she's not Ty. She talks about Ty in the third person. And when Van wakes Ty up, Ty has no memory. And it seems like I would say Ty lies to Van about the man with no eyes. Right. Because that's been recurring for her day 
time, nighttime. She's seen him throughout the series. Is this a ghost story? Is that what's going on? Is this ghost? I'm trying to work that out too. Is it actually a ghost? Yeah. In a in a at Paley Fest, the one of the co-showrunners, Ashley Lyle, who also co-created the show, she talked about how. People wanted to know about the man with no eyes, and she was kind of saying no. And then Tawny Cypress, who plays adult Ty, got up and was like, you have to tell us. Like, you've kept it from us for so long and kind of bullied her into it. And she said she sees the man with no eyes kind of as, you could see him as death incarnate. That's like how okay. Ty sees him, she said. So this kind of almost an apparition of what you see before you die. But she also said that he represents the unknown, which is something Ty is very scared of. So I do wonder if we're getting into that kind of spiritual end of life. That's someone you see when you die. If he is death incarnate, then let's talk about the lost potential here. Are the girls already dead? I think we're getting to the stage now where we can ask that. Is this purgatory? I am now wondering if there isn't something like they cheated death or something like they should have died but they didn't yeah they should have died but they didn't and that's why they are being hounded by this fell Mm. luck uh in the years after um i will say that like van you got a fucking tie tie like you got to tire all don't be letting her free she can't be walking around like i know you have you have very warm feelings towards her, and listen when she's <laughs> and daytime Ty is a, is a nice person. Kind she's great, of. yeah, she's sure. great. But you, I, I'm sorry, but we got to really, really tie her up, like like very, very, very tightly. She cannot is, be allowed to roam around the woods doing who knows what, taking shits, jumping off cliffs, potentially mm-hmm. killing people. We can't yeah, let this happen. Please stop it. Yeah, and also. Why is she always going to the symbol? I think Van is on something. Van's like, bro, you got to talk to Lottie. You got to un- try and understand what's going on with the symbol. Like, what is occurring? Ty's like, nope, not having it. Nothing. It's a coincidence. It's not a coincidence, my friend. Well, it is clear that the symbol is somehow connected to whatever Ty is experiencing in her sleepwalking. I will say that it does seem like the symbol can be found at these moments where death is closest. It was at the mm. cliff where Ty was going to maybe jump off. She put it, uh, you know, on her uh, on her ex-partner's uh, 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 hand uh, yeah. now that she's very, very That's close really to death. Smart. Uh, it was on the window. I, I, and so I wonder if there's, it's either a ward or you're calling death, you're trying to ward it off, mm. but it does seem like it's, it's there in those moments where um, uh, there is, is a coin flip happening and it's like heads you live, tails you die. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great point. And Lottie seems to think it's protection, but it could also be that you're calling death. You know, Uh, present day Jeff, making everyone look incredibly suspicious, as always, goes up to cop Kevin in the gym, threatening it. Terrible form on the the shoulder press. Oh, (laughs) it's it's all going wrong. And he's going up to him, he's saying... My wife didn't do anything. And Kevin's like, well, guess what? Somebody told me that your wife's having an affair. And that's a good source because guess who it was? It was fucking Callie. The worst. Absolutely. She worst. told him last week. And then Shauna, who Jeff should probably be spending time with instead of harassing a cop, is on her unhinged shit going to get her minivan. Melanie Linsky just goes absolutely ham here as she gives the monologue of a lifetime, (laughs) adding more fuel to the fire that she is the antler queen. Here's just a snippet. Have you ever peeled the skin off a human corpse? It's not as easy as you might think. It's really stuck on us, skin. You have to roll back the edges of it just so you can get a good grip to really pull, which again, isn't easy. People are so sweaty when you kill them, just like oily. Nightmare. But you know what? Gonna say, it works. She gets the minivan back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me ask you this. People are so sweaty when you kill them. Who else has Shauna killed? Is she, what, I think she's what, killed. I think what she's killed other murders people. has she committed in the past? Because I think she I find it very believable. Yeah, I find it very believable I, that she's killed multiple I, people. I think in the forest, she is the person who kills the people that they eat later on over mm. this like 19 months. I also look, I don't know, because Jeff is kind of like a a himbo darling who acts very shocked and innocent. But I do feel like those two have killed or covered up a murder before, and that's how they get their little marriage kicks and keep things fresh. I got to tell you, I I need to know what Shauna has been up to in the years 
preceding when mm-hmm. we catch up with her in the present day because it really feels like there is a, the dark side to her is a lot darker and a lot deeper than mm-hmm. we ever imagined. And I would not be shocked to learn that she has committed multiple, multiple non-forest murders at yeah, this big, point. Big serial killer, big <laughs> suburban serial <laughs> killer energy so. in this scene. And she gets so many band back, good for her. X-Ray Vision will be back. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And we're back. Back in the cabin, there is this... I love this scene because I think it leans into what we were talking about, about like unreliable narrators, like different versions of the past and the the present merging together. Also, I will just say before I talk about this moment, Yellow Jackets socials did a post where they said, this is our multiverse. Now, I don't know if that was just a mistaken post that was because like there's two different timelines. But to me, I'm also like, does that mean we're in multiverse territory? Are there different universes? Would not be surprised, right? Right. And Ben is definitely wishing that he could live in a different universe. And we get to see a glimpse of that here where it shows him going back to his boyfriend and saying, I love you. I'm going to come out of the closet. I'm going to live with you openly. We're going to move in together. And it's going to be great because if I don't do this, I'm going to be the most boring, depressed version of myself. I was hoping that this was something he said and then he was like, I don't want to let the girls down, so I'm going to go to nationals. No. We learn then that Ben is imagining what could have happened if he'd done that as the news begins to play a story about the plane crash that he wouldn't have been on. Bum, bum, bum. It's really heartbreaking and gutting. And the thesis is like, come out of the closet and you won't die in a fiery crash. So (laughs) it's it's really bleak and sad stuff. And I actually felt for Coach Ben in this moment where usually I'm kind of a, I'm a Coach Ben agnostic. (laughs) (laughs) So Misty is now giving that famous Steel Magnolias performance that we mentioned. By the way, chose a speech about a dead daughter at a baby shower. Very weird flex. Absolutely bizarre choice for this. Bizarre. And like you mentioned, it begins with this kind of heckling and a couple of people clapping. But by the end, the group is like crying. They're giving her rousing applause. People are smiling. And I think she's finally getting to move back up the social ladder of the wilderness post, you know, poisoning everyone. Mm. It seems like she might finally get to to be having a friend. Uh, Ty? Yes. I, I <laughs> Again, I just... Somebody needs to stop her. She needs to be, Ty needs to be stopped. She needs to go and get some help. Whatever that means when you're incredibly wealthy and are maybe haunted by a ghost, ghost rehab, I don't know. She has enough money to get help. I don't know why she's doing this. She's ignoring Misty's phone calls. She's putting herself in a dangerous situation. And that leads to one of the creepiest scenes from this season, actually, where Ty sees a nightmare reflection of herself with kind of red eyes, which I guess is maybe a bit of a nighttime tie signifier. And the other tie in the mirror is moving of her own accord. She wants something from daytime tie. And when Ty kind of asks her finally, what do you want? She covers half of her face. Well, making uh, the dooms coming mask. Yeah. So let me, uh, the way I interpreted that hand gesture was she was making the symbol with her fingers. Oh, that's so good. Like the, I those that. dashes, you know, that go to mm-hmm. the side with yeah, the, yeah, with the it's angle. Triangular. Yeah, I, that was the way I perceived it was that she was making the symbol across her face and over her eye. Oh, that's so creepy. So, I, I so 
again, calling into question the idea that the symbol could be about seeing Mm -hmm. who is this person that she's dealing with? Is it her from another dimension? And is the symbol how they communicate with this dimension? I don't know, but it felt like, again, we were seeing the symbol, but in a in a different format. New way. In a new yeah, way. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love that double reading, too, because so much of the show is subjective. So I was like, oh, it must be like the mask that she wore with Van at Homecoming. She wants, you know, she wants Van. And I do wonder if that's the case, why would Nighttime tie? want Van there because mm-hmm. Van was one of the few people who actually tried to stop her. We know adult Van has been cast, Lauren Ambrose, so maybe we'll be seeing her soon. But either way, it's bad times for Ty and she's losing control and she is yet to ask anyone for help yeah. in any way, shape or form. Walter is doing his best to flirt with Misty. She's having absolute... <laughs> none of it but I love this moment we get this moment between them where it seems like he's flirting he wants them to spend the night together to have a drink together but really he's kind of probing her about yes, why she's downvoting his posts I, I think this is very interesting I'll ask you a question what do you think about Walter's intentions is he a yellow jacket super stan does he actually like Misty or is he just trying to find out what happened to Adam and she's just a tool on his journey I think it's all of the above I think it's Mm. I think that he quite rightly suspects that there's more going on with Adam he wants to get to the bottom of that I think that him saying that he doesn't care about the yellow jackets, which we think we see in the in the uh, upcoming scenes, right? The, yeah. the scenes from uh, next week's episode feels a little bit, uh, you know, doth the lady, the lady doth protest too much, right? <laughs> I, I, I think that the, I agree. I, well, no, one of the I'm a mystery freak, and one of the biggest mysteries of the last uh, couple decades. I don't care. Gosh, I just do not <laughs> care about it. I could not care less. I'm just on the internet. To, trying to solve mysteries all day but this one i don't i'm not interested not I interested at think all that that's suspicious yeah I, agree. I think that he's very interested and i think that yeah. I, to your point i think that he is he uh, correctly suspects that there's more going on with adam and i think he would love more information about the yellow jackets mm-hmm. and what is going on with them yeah there's this great tete here too where Misty makes up this lie just sociopathically fast about how she's protecting Adam's mother who was so heartbroken because he was an addict and she just wants to protect this poor woman. And then you're like, oh, wow, that was really creepy. I kind of forgot you could do that. And then she's like, you know, you must know because you brought your mom to the nursing home where I work. And he's like, that's not my mom. He's like, that's just some random woman I know. (laughs) And, you know, it meant I could come and see you. And Misty was like... Why would you do that? And he says this line. I mean, these two are definitely big. They got big Joker Harlequin in the Yellow Jackets world energy. He says, maybe I'm just a bored Moriarty looking for a Sherlock. I mean, at this point, (laughs) I I feel like Misty, this is wonderful. And I'm rooting for these these really, really, truly unhinged kids. That said, (laughs) if I'm Misty, I think you got to put your defenses up a little bit at that. You know, Moriarty. If somebody says they're Moriarty, you got to say you got to no. say huh? that's a red flag. And also, uh, the reveal that he is at the nursing home specifically to see her, not for any other reason, mm-hmm. to make contact with her, red flag. Big red flag. And you know, Lottie is trying to work through things with Nat and make her believe that she's at the wellness cult out of choice. She teams her up with Lisa, you know, played by Nicole Maines, who Nat stabbed with a fork. Lottie, in true unhinged fashion, I have to say, I don't know what's going on with the wellness space. It doesn't seem good to me, but it's not obviously the supernatural cult we thought. But this is a big red flag with the white red flags. She gives Lisa a fork (laughs) and says to her, if you want to stab Natalie, like, go for it. Just, Just do it and, like, see how it goes. But Lisa is extremely chill. Yeah. She's living the good life that intentional community is working for because she drops the fork, hugs Nat, and forgives her. And I think that has quite a profound in- impact on Nat. I agree. I mean, this was, first of all, it was chilling the way Lottie says, and if you want to hurt her, you can. You And mm-hmm. I think you should. That was absolutely bone chilling. And it really, it felt like a big thing for her to not do it and forgive her. And you know what? Nat is a person who 
whether she knows it or not, is looking for that grace from everyone yeah. around her. She is looking and for she, someone to say, you know what, it's okay. I think she would love to give it to other people too. I think like you're in right. that moment, Juliette Lewis does so much acting. She's so shocked and moved by Lisa's choice to do that. I'm very interested to see where that relationship goes. Yeah. In the past, Nat is not feeling very forgiving or graceful. When Lottie, I have to say this is fucked up. <laughs> when Lottie decides that the best present for Shauna's baby is a blanket with the cult symbol stitched onto it. Dun, dun, Nat- <laughs> Natalie is like, bro, this symbol was found among a dead man. This is bad. Lottie's like, nah, it's cool, man. Like, he was using it for protection. And that's like, well, he's dead. So it didn't really work. And Ty's about to step up. It seems like her and Nat are really the only two logical kind yes. of team logic people left in the cabin. But Shauna gets a nosebleed and her nose, a very, I would say, my first thought was this is coming from eating human flesh yeah. nosebleed. Like this is a you ate too much of your friend nosebleed. The blood drips onto the symbol and immediately just hundreds of crows kill themselves by flying into the cabin. I'm telling you, the blood magic, <laughs> it's something... The, it's, I, something's happening. Something is super... I am, I am convinced now that something is supernatural. I think that there is at least... There is a supernatural element to whatever else yes. is going on here, whether it's some kind of ESP thing, like some Weapon X program in the forest, whatever it is, there is a level of extrasensory something activity yes. occurring. So if you're wondering if Team Logic or Team Supernatural is winning, Nat makes a very, very good point. She's like, do not touch those crows. They are probably sick, seeing as they all just died. And Lottie's like, nah, gather the blessings. And all of the girls, apart from Nat and Ty, just start picking up the crows and taking them into the cabin. Folks, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> we need to know. Okay, so this is where, speaking of this, the episode ends on a big what the fuck is going on moment where I think we can really dive into this, like, dimensional ideas, ideas of parallels with Lost, which this is, season is really, I feel like, kind of trolling people with, like, intentionally. Lottie in the present goes to her beehives, which she was telling Nat about that she obviously cares about, and the bees are all dead. The hives are full of blood, and she's, you know, her hands are covered in blood. Somebody's killed her bees. It seems really just absolutely alarming to her, but it's just a vision. It seems. Mm. And visions of dead animals can mean lots of things. Like, they can talk about grief and trauma, but they can also mean great evil is coming. And the song behind Lottie, as she has this vision, says, can't stop what's coming, can't stop what's on its way. So I'm guessing that this is a bad omen, whether it is real or not. There's also, um, let me look at the lyrics to this. There there is also, uh, I think one of the, it says something about a portal also in that song. Oh, I'm sure. Of so course it, it does. So it really feels like there's something trying to come into this world and mm-hmm. what is it? I I think, you know, you and I both uh, coming into this season were like, oh, Lottie's much more clued in. She might be behind mm-hmm. all of this. Uh, she knows uh, more about what's going on maybe than the rest of them. And now it's quite clear that Lottie though profoundly affected by her experiences in the woods. And despite the fact that she was something of the spiritual leader of the girls in the woods, Mm -hmm. is just as mystified as to what is happening as everybody else. I think it's really interesting to see how she almost like, it almost feels like she didn't have a lot of agency in being put in this position by the girls. It was more to do with these strange coincidences or things that occurred and Lottie's own struggles with mental health. And they kind of put her on this pedestal. And I found it really interesting that earlier Lottie had talked about the bees as analogs for the girls. And then at the end, you see that the bees are all dead. So is this leaning into our kind of final destination? They should have died and now they have to die again? Is death or some kind of supernatural thing hunting them down? Is that why Travis ended up dying? Or is this more of that 
that's a different version of the world, a different universe where these visions are not necessarily untrue, but there's something pushing through from the yeah. other side. I think there's a lot of really fun. I, I am very impressed, basically, that this show can get more intriguing as it goes on in its second season when the first season was just such an explosive kind of zeitgeist hitting smash it's really hard to keep the mystery going but every week i come out of this like what the fuck i have no is idea what's coming i next. need to know <laughs> super producer saul uh, uh put the title of the song in our chat and here is the lyric um and through the life force there goes her friend and her nishiki it's out of time and through the portal they can make amends uh-huh. so there, there it is the uh, the word portal i I mean, it feels like they're telling us that there is something on in some other dimension and also, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for the our House of the Dragon Heads and for our kind of Norse mythology slash uh, various other uh, uh, forms of mythology heads, the, a white elk or a white moose mm-hmm. or a white animal in general is often quite symbolic of a thing, yes. usually a protector which makes me feel like, oh, man, I wonder if there's some like bigger battle between good and light evil. and dark going on uh-huh. here that these girls are somehow trapped up in. Um, I have no idea where it's going. That's the thing. I this is uh, you know other shows were like yeah here's what I think might happen here's what I think this one I'm flummoxed at the end of every episode I'm like I don't know <laughs> just tell me what I'm happens like, what next is occurring? <laughs> yeah. and I love it I love I it. love every second of it. All right, up next, Nerd Out. In this week's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or a theory you're excited to share, Victor pitches us on the 2005 film Sky High. Hi, this is Victor from Kentucky, and I want to tell you about my Nerd Out, which is the 2005 movie Sky High. It is essentially a John Hughes-inspired superhero movie that is rated PG. This came out when I was in my mid-20s. There weren't a lot of superhero movies. Uh, After Spider-Man X-Men, there was kind of a gap there. This was right before Marvel started doing its thing. So I watched this Disney movie that came out. It was uh, made for preteens. I'm not sure. But I fell in love with it. I think it's fantastic. If you look at the cast, you may be surprised to just see how many people you recognize from it. Of course, uh, Kelly Preston, Kurt Russell, Michael Angarano stars in it. Um, Nicholas Braun is in it. Bruce Campbell, a lot of people you're going to recognize, but it's just, it's very sweet. It's very charming. It has some pretty good action scenes in it. If you're looking for something superhero-ish that you could watch with your kids, or even if you don't have kids, you're still going to enjoy it. So that is my Nerd Out 2005's Sky High, a movie that should have gotten a sequel. So far, it hasn't happened. Thank you. Thanks, Victor. If you have theories or passions you want to share, hit us up at xray at crooked.com. Instructions, as always, are in the show notes. Well, that's it for us, Rosie. Any plugs? Plugs, 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 plugs. Yes, you can find me here twice a week. And I'm at Rosie Marks on Instagram and Letterboxd. And this week, you should all go out and watch Rye Lane. It is a really sweet London set rom-com. If you want to know what people who haven't lived in America for seven years (laughs) sound like when they come from London, watch this incredibly sweet, wonderful movie from Rain Allen Miller. I think everyone will love it. And I think it's going to be like a... Contemporary classic. I'm going to say it every week until May 19th. Watch Primo on Amazon Freebie. Watch it. May 19th from Mike Shore and four-time New York Times best-selling author Shay Serrano comes the heartwarming and very, very funny single-cam comedy called Primo only on Amazon Freebie, May 19th. Catch the next episode of X-Ray Vision Friday, April 14th for more Mandalorian plus... An interview with the always super, super, super hilarious Ben Schwartz uh, as we discuss his very good movie, Renfield. Very Nicolas good. Cage's Dracula. It's what good. What could you want? We've it's seen good. it. And it's good. We've seen it. It's good. And of course, remember, we're bringing you two episodes a week now. Two episodes a week, Wednesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to watch us as well as listen to us, you can subscribe on YouTube where we post full episodes of the show. Follow us on Twitter at XRVPod and check out the Discord to meet and hang out with tons of amazing fans, listeners, who all love this kind of stuff as much as we do. And me and Jason pop up in there. 
five-star reviews, five-star five, ratings. Five, five, we five, need five. them. We got to have them. You got to give them to us. Here's one from Waterman Runner, H2O Man Runner. Deep dive analysis here is extraordinary. Energetic, articulate, and rich. Wow, am I glad I stumbled on these two. It's as if central casting heavens opened up and located the perfect two to speak with the authority and in the relatable manner on pop culture topics that I'm attracted to. Thank you, Waterman wow, Runner. thank you. That's wonderful. X-Ray Vision is a crooked media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. Uh, see you next time, folks. Bye. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.